You were charged on the 31st of August of 2013 with obstructing a police officer in violation of 457302. You were also charged on the same date with resisting arrest in violation of 457301 of the Montana Code. Those men were charged by me right back by staging an overthrow of the Constitution of 1789, an overthrow of the Bill of Rights, an overthrow of my rights to forage for food as a natural living person who was in hunger. I was searching for something to put in my stomach as I am recognized to be allowed to do by universal law has nothing to do with your corporate fiction. They violated everything and furthermore, for your knowledge, they violated Judge Holly Brown's Title 26 United States Code ruling which I went before her and prevailed on 21st March 2011 EPO 9-58A is the case number wherein she evidenced that I am not a taxpayer because I am not a federal citizen. Federal law trumps state law at every turn. I have nine judge rulings to that end, and that trumps state law. I am not registered crap. I am the living man, and I have the right to forage for food when I'm hungry. All right. But you're here on different charges. That this is, is not Holly stands. Brown's courtroom. Ma'am, you can argue this all day long. You're operating on I'm a telling, corporate fiction. I'm telling you, you're here on some charges which were filed in three courts. I do not number understand one, those charges. Number one, you keep interrupting me, and I'm going to charge you with contempt, and you'll go to oh, jail. contempt of court is spelled C-O-double-N. I know about calling this navigation. Sir, contempt is the story. I said, be don't quiet until I get don't through Don't judge me. You ain't a gun. Don't Officer? you touch me. I am the living man protected by universal law. You keep Just talking. And you're going to be charged with contempt, and you're going to go to jail. You have already contempted this place. No, I told you I would if you are didn't trying to get down here. These are the living witnesses to what you're trying to do. Very you good. are trying to create a fictitious, fraudulent action. You are trying to bilk the Federal Reserve by securitizing Sir? in all caps, commercialized name, Sir? and notifying them that they Officer. that they are standing in debt now. If you touch me, you will violate natural law. Do not come near me. I am then protected shush, by the land. Don't tell me to shut up. I, I am the living natural man, and my voice will be heard. That is the Jolly Roger. That thing you call the American flag with the gold fringe around it is the Jolly Roger, and you are acting as one of his privateers. Okay. You're here on the charge of arrest. I'm here arrest. by a special visitation. Right. I never let you get away with this, but I'm officer. here. To each charge could be up to a $500 fine up to six months in jail. I do not understand any charges. I only understand universal law and the right to live. Well, to live in peace guilty. and to live as I need to. You pled not guilty in this in this. I court. never plead. Animals plead. Sound like, bah, oink, oink. I am the living soil. The dirt, the water, and the air has its own voice, does it not? It all supports Sir? forms of life, does it not? I am a part of that life. I am not your corporate fiction. Sir? Do not tender me. You're here today on an omnibus hearing. You've already pled not guilty. I am here by special visitation mm -hmm. to see to it that you do not tender my natural living man's name. Are you prepared That's to tell I'm the here. court if you wish to go to trial on this matter? 
This is a trial. Tell no, me this not. isn't a trial. Here's my this jury of my peers. Hearing, sir. You cannot produce a jury of my peers because all juries are selected from a pool of registered voters, and the instant a person registers to vote, their natural ability is appear to comprehend. Natural law has been dissolved and okay. turned into fiction. There cannot be raised a jury of my peers. It cannot be done. Excuse me for just a moment. No way. Get back here and finish this. Hey, hey, get back here and finish this. The judge has left the courtroom. There you go. You won. Yeah. There is nobody in this courtroom. Yeah. The judge has yeah. walked out. The judge has walked out. Everybody I up said and no out. excuse. Everybody up and out. I'm not letting you go. That's it. Do not tell me to shut up. I am the living man. <laughs> That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about natural law god's law and how that's the only thing that really exists uh we're going to be continuing on from last sunday welcome all um to the gnostic church and academy of lord jesus christ i am brother marty Leeds, teacher of the mysteries and preacher of the heart uh author documentarian musician all around sometimes good dude so thank you all for joining me once again this sunday we do this is just me and when me and the boys are out spreading logos uh welcome to sunday services we do service every sunday that's where you'll find me same bat time same bat channel same bat place service every sunday at 9 p uh, 9 a.m central standard time uh super tired today so we'll see how this goes thank you all for joining me i really appreciate it uh this podcast is available you can get it on fm player and iHeartRadio and spotify and apple tunes or itunes whatever they call it whatever the kids call it these days uh, available on podbean you can get it at the gnostic uh, gnosticacademy.org you can get this podcast and so this is going out to the world so uh it is available for free i like to put as much out for free as i possibly can i uh, just want to let everybody know i've got some upcoming podcasts i've been really busy lately with um interviewing uh, been being interviewed by lots of people um hellenic wolf is a is a show that's supposed to come out sometime. I'm not sure. Uh, Rising from the Ashes, I just uh, did a couple a couple days ago. This afternoon, I'm going to have a podcast with Nick Lorenzen. Um, I just did Into the Apocalypse, which is uh, homesteading uh, in the Pacific Northwest. A couple guys there. We talked about all sorts of great stuff. Dig Within with Rob Edward. I believe he's a bear. I believe he's a bear, so I'll be doing his show, I think, Wednesday. Uh, Lift the Veil with Nathan Stoltman. He uh, contacted me. I guess we're going to do something eventually. Forbidden Knowledge News is coming up, and then I just spoke to Mr. David Weiss. I spoke to Mr. Weiss, and I'm supposed to do Jaren's show uh, at some point, too. And they're going to ask me a bunch of crazy questions about all the conspiracies, I believe. So I want to say thank you to everybody that shows up every Sunday and of uh, anybody that's bought books or like sent a donation or anything like that. I really appreciate it. Um, I just want to say uh, thank you to Michael S., Kristen H., Angela M., Philip H., George S., Javier, Small Axe, Andrew M., and anybody else that's, um, you know, provided donations or Super Chat or anything like that, if I've missed it, I just want to say thank you. So, all right. Um, today, we're going to talk about, so last week, um, the live stream got cut off, and I, I apologize. My internet overheated it. That will not happen again. It was my fault. So the podcast got cut off, but we're going to finish it today because it's really important. There's a lot of things today that we're going to discuss that it's unfortunate more people are not going to hear. Let's just say that, okay? Um, this um, so last Sunday we did Paul, a prisoner of Christ, natural law, and God's jurisdiction. 
And so today we're just going to finish up the uh, the chapter of Ephesians 3, and we're going to talk about natural law, exactly what natural law is. We're going to talk about the evidence of faith, and we're going to talk about Paul's Gnostic revelation. We got a lot to cover today, so we're just going to launch into it. Before we do, let's do a prayer. Uh, let's do the old good one, uh, Lord's Prayer from chapter 6, Matthew. It says, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Okay, so let's launch into it. we got a lot to cover today. So what I'm going to do is um, some of the things we're going to talk about today. The evidence of faith. What faith actually means <laughs> it's not blind acceptance to a bunch of nonsense. We're going to talk about the mathematics behind faith. We're going to talk about Paul's Gnostic revelation. We're going to read through the rest of Ephesians. We're going to talk about the monad. We're going to talk about the one body of Christ. We're going to talk about the golden rule, the golden mean. Uh, and we're going to talk about the uh, lawyers and how they're a bunch of scum. <laughs> That'll be a good conversation. And uh, yeah, and then we'll finish off by talking about Kabbalah, about how Paul's revelation Paul's, the whole Ephesians that we read, everything that we read in Ephesians doesn't really make any sense unless you bring Kabbalah and Gnosticism to it. Literally doesn't make any sense. So that's what we're going to do today. So let's, what, first thing I'm going to do is read through Ephesians, the whole thing, and then we'll get back and then we're just going to pick it apart as we do. So Ephesians chapter three, numero uno. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation, what's a dispensation? As we learned last Sunday, a dispensation is a system or order of governance. So what Paul's saying is here is, hey, have you heard of the system of order of governance, of governance, the governorship of God? Have you heard about that? Natural law. If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me who am less than the least of all saints is the grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God. It's been occulted in God. Who created all things by Jesus Christ. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. According to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. <laughs> is, there, is there a purpose to this existence? Does life have a purpose? Does earth have a purpose? Does your life have a purpose? There's a bunch of it right there, I guess. Ephesians 3.12 says, In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. 
that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend, may be able to comprehend, to know, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, uh, excuse me, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power <clears throat> Come here. that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. All right, let's pick it apart. We're going to do a little bit of review of some of the stuff we covered last uh, week, just because it's necessary. Um, but we, you know, we're going to we're going to get into this, so there will be a little bit of review for the first ten minutes. But review is not bad, okay? So we see that. Let's go this one here. You see, in Ephesians seven here, seven and eight, he's like, "Hey, Paul's like, hey man, this this knowledge of the mystery of Jesus Christ, it was given to me. He says it multiple times. It was given. It was a gift." The gift of the grace of God given unto me, unto me who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given. So this is a reception. This is a receiving. This is him. This is Paul having this Gnostic revelation in which God is coming down and he's literally putting, you know, I mean, I guess I could say figuratively, but, you know, the dove is coming down and he's handing Paul into his head this knowledge. That's what's happening right now. Okay. When we talk about, uh, and like I said, some of this will be review, but when we talk about reception, receiving, something that is granted from on high to human beings, that is Kabbalah. That's what it means. Kabbalah means to receive, admit, accept. He received. It's any secret or esoteric science. That's what it is. So when Paul is saying here, he's just like, hey, this is, uh, there's, there's times in uh, history uh, when this was not made known unto the sons of men. It was a secret. It had been hidden in God. Where's that one? Um, I don't know where it is. I just talked about that. The occult, the hidden in God, or I think it's, where is it? Hath been hid in God. Number nine there, three nine. This is Kabbalah. This is what it means. Paul's telling you about Kabbalah. The entire, the entire chapter. He's just like, look, I received this stuff and it's manifold wisdom from God. It's knowledge of Christ. It's knowledge of the mysteries. It's of the dispensation of the governance of God. And now I, Paul, am going to give it to you. That's what, that's what's happening. We're watching a Kabbalistic revelation, a Gnostic revelation by Paul. What's Gnosis? We've covered this. This is why we are the uh, Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ, because we do not follow men. We do not follow the, the, the stinky traditions of all of these churches out there that literally have no idea what they're reading when it comes to the Bible. We go to God himself for that revelation. Gnosis is knowledge of spiritual mysteries. This is, ex this is the definition of Gnosis. Knowledge of spiritual mysteries. This is exactly what's happening to Paul. How that by the revelation made known unto me the mystery. He's made known knowledge of the mystery. And what is the mystery? My knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Is there anything more spiritual than this guy? That's a Gnostic revelation. That's a Kabbalistic Gnostic revelation. And it doesn't even make any sense unless you bring Gnosticism to it. Okay? Now, we talked about how Paul is a prisoner of God. 
And this was one of his revelations, like, I, Paul, am a prisoner of God. Now, we talked about the exoteric nature of this, about how Paul, in the story, was put in a prison because he was preaching to the Gentiles, Christ, right? And they were like, no, you can't do that. And his big revelation, then we see the esoteric explanation of this, is like, oh, no, I'm owned by God. I was put here by him. He runs everything. He's all consciousness. He's everywhere at once. There's the fullness of the full everywhere. God created all things by Jesus Christ, everything. I am in the prison of God. He is the one that controls and commands me. Period. Ultimately, this this control, this is this is a, a relief, really, because it says that you shall bow to no man except you shall bow to no one except God. Let no judge come before you. This we're gonna talk about today in system system of governance. We also talked about um, once again a little bit review. We also talked about the monad and what the monad really represents. And it represents this knowledge that God is within you. Okay? And these are the two terms, Lord and God. Like I said, this is a review. Um, if you didn't see last Sunday, it's pretty important that you did. You go check that out. So um, the monad is a representation of ultimately the, the notion that God has imbued himself with everything in creation, which means he's imbued himself right within you, in the center of you. When you come to understand this and know this, then you can open yourself up to those revelations. Then when God realizes, oh, he sees the oneness, oh, he understands that there's only, me, there's only my control, my system of governance, not taking any BS from everybody else, and recognizes the God that's within him, once that happens and bloop, drops into your head like a little dove, this symbol of the monad is the recognition of the two terms of God that we find in Genesis. And next week we'll cover this. I think we're going to do Genesis 1-1 to 1-2 next week. But I think I'm going to end up doing two live streams on it because I want to do one that's just like sort of the philosophy and the symbolism of it. And then another one where I want to do explicitly math. Okay? So I think that's what we'll do next week, but next couple weeks. The monad is a, is a point with a circle around it. It's made by the compass. It's one of the it's one of the first thing you do in sacred geometry. You put your point your point down on a page, circle it around 360 degrees, and that gives you the monad. And the monad is the recognition that there's the Lord within and the God above, and the Lord within and the God above are one. There's no separation. And it talks about the singularity of your experience, your consciousness, and the totality of God's consciousness. It talks about the finite experience of the human being, that's you, and the infinite experience of God. Okay? And we see that this is why Jesus is a carpenter. This is why Jesus is a carpenter. With the tools of carpentry, we get to little compasses and square. All of these illustrations of God saying what? Oh, this is how I'm going to circumscribe my, my world. Okay? The monad, once, like I said, I'm going through some of this stuff quick, but because it's a review um, and it's necessary. Um, there's our cosmology. That's what the monad is. The monad, this, and our cosmology is no different. And it's ultimately to what? Not be self-centered, not be like, I have God within me. I'm special. <laughs> no, it's to say what? It's not to be self-centered, but to center the self. Every single one of these things is about finding the center. What is the center? Is it left? No. Is it right? No. What is it? It's balance. Balance. This is what we mean by a God is a circle whose center is everywhere and circumference nowhere. 
or now here. This has been attributed to Hermes. This has been attributed to St. Augustine, Voltaire. A bunch of chaps have allegedly said this. It doesn't really matter who said it. It matters if it's true or not, right? Um, God is a circle whose center everywhere and circumference nowhere. It's placing God right in the center of you and realizing that no man can command that spark. Okay? This is what we hear about in when we talk about we are in the body of Christ. And this is what we established yesterday, uh, last Sunday, excuse me, that we are in the body of Christ, that we're in the incarnation of Christ, that everything, the totality of everything that we can experience, see, conceive is God, and we're in the center of it. And this is what is said when God is a circle whose center is everywhere and circumference nowhere. God has made you and your experience and your perception the center of the universe. And that means you and 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 me. Okay? And this is the body of Christ. And this is why it says, it just repeats this all over and we'll see it. I'll, I'll cut out some of the, the uh, lines from Ephesians where it's saying, it's telling you this. For as one body, for as the body, oh, this is 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For as the body is one and hath many members and all members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. All the Christians out there doing what? Making denominations and divisions and being like, oh, you're not part of the church and you're no, we got, we're the, we're the ones that have the right true path. Mean, meanwhile, there is only one path and there is only one body and there's only one God. And that's what it's saying. You make divisions, you completely lost the path. You're completely off the path. So uh, Romans 12, 5. So we being many are one body in Christ and every one member is one of another. 1 Corinthians 10, 17, for we being many are one bread and one body, one spirit, one body, one body, etc. This is what it means. This is Ephesians. This is what we just read. Gentiles should be fellow heirs. We're all fellow heirs. We all, we are all heirs to God's wisdom, his mystery, and his system of governance. Um, what is the fellowship? We're all in the fellowship. One body, one church, one baptism, one God for all who created all things, all things, everything, everything, everything. Let's go back. Everything. Everything. For those of you listening at home at the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ podcast, I'm showing a picture of the monad and our cosmology. That ye might fill, that ye be, against once again in Ephesians here, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Fullness, oneness, filled that ye may be able to comprehend, remember, in the inner man, in the inner spirit, going within, that you may, you may you might be able to know, you may be able to comprehend, you may have the knowledge of, Paul has this knowledge, and he's, I'm going to give it to you word now. And that knowledge is what? You may be able to comprehend with all saints, what is the breadth and the length and the depth and height? What is that? Fullness. Then it goes on to say this, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. I don't, where's the separation here? Why are there thousands and thousands of denominations of Christianity? That doesn't make any sense. Because all those Christians are doing what? Dividing Christ's oneness. We talked about God's jurisdiction. We talked about his system of governance. Natural law, he, the almighty one, Runs everything. And then we talked about the 
corporate fictions about how what they're trying to do. So we have God's totality and he rules everything and his governance is all that actually is. And then we have you in the center of that in which he placed himself within the center of you. And then the corporate fictions come along and say, oh, we're going to wrap you around here. And then we're going to wrap a concentric circle around here and say, oh, you're part of this jurisdiction now. And now you have to follow this local law and this city law and this county. And they're not even, a lot of these are not even laws. They're just ordinances and statutes and things like that, right? Then there's the state law and then there's the U.S. And it's all fiction. Every single one of these concentric circles, as we found, is somebody coming along, writing something down on parchment and being like, this is how it is. Now we're going to see, it was like, well, you're going, then somebody's going to say, well, you're going to the Bible within, you know, to try to get your understanding of the law. And that's been written down. Not today we're not. Today we're going to basically throw the Bible out and show you that actually God's law was written right on you. That's what we're going to learn today. So this is all fiction, and we know it. And this is why I played that clip of the, I am the living man. Because what was that court trying to do? As we saw from that first clip that we that you watched was a Montana man. And this is a man that's a living man that's very well, you know, um, very well versed, very well studied on natural law, common law, you know, with the actual court systems, the fictions of the court systems. And as you can see, that judge walked out. Why? Because he held his ground. He said, no, there is actually only natural law and universal law. And what you're trying to do is rope me into your corporate fiction. And we're all subject to this right now because they've convinced people through their little propaganda and their wizardry and their spell casting that, yes, you have to do these things. Now you say, well, if we didn't do that, it would be anarchy. If we didn't have all these laws and these governance, these governors and these, you know, the, the state and the local and the county and all this other stuff, if we didn't have that, it would be complete anarchy. Now, I used to consider myself an anarchist, right? Because anarchy in its definition is no slave, no master. Well, I've come to realize that that's ridiculous. <laughs> anarchy and all those people that like go to Anarchapoco and be like, yeah, I'm for anarchy. You're all fools. You're all fools. You know why? Because you do have a master. And that's God. That's the one that makes all of these laws that you have to follow. You're not going to change day to night and night to day. God commands it. You're not going to switch. Oh, maybe, maybe this year we're just going to skip the waxing of the moon. Doesn't work that way. No master, no slave. No, a, tr a true man of God realizes who his master is, and that's God. And that's why Paul, the first thing he says is, I am a prisoner. Because God, or because Paul, Paul knows where he is. And Paul knows who he is. No master, no slave. You can serve the devil. You gotta. You can serve the devil, or you can serve the law, but you gotta serve somebody, right? That thing. Yeah, I shouldn't be quoting Bob Dylan, but you know what it is. Anyway, so when we look at these fictions. Ultimately, what are they supposed? What is a government supposed to do? Actually, to secure your rights. The rights have been given to you by God. These, and this is what's understood in our Constitution. We're going to cover the uh, Declaration of Independence and Constitution real quick, real quick, like abridged. Um, the government is supposed to protect your God-given rights. God gave you rights. 
gave you the right to forage for food, to live off the land, to be free, to walk and, and you know, go, go where you must and things like that. And someone in the state comes along and says, well, I'd like to say I'm hungry and I'm going to go fishing in that river. And I just because I need to fill my belly and I need to like feed my dogs or something like that. And, the, and, the, and these concentric circles of fiction just come along and be like, well, I actually need a license for that. You have to pay us first. It's like, well, I wanted to go drive down to the river uh, and, and then go, well, you're going to need a license. But I, I really love my wife and I just want to marry her and be in union uh, under uh, God's commandments. You're going to have to get a license. Government is supposed to protect God-given rights. And this is exactly what our Bill of Rights says in our Declaration of Independence. Uh, the deck here says, and to assume among everything is based off natural laws, we're going to find out. And all of these corporate fictions are trying to, to steal, to take away, as we're going to find out, as the Bible tells us, the key of knowledge. The key of knowledge, which Paul got and then was like, hey, I'm going to give it to you guys. The government is supposed to be there to protect your rights. Now, do they do that anymore? No. No, not at all. They completely violate your rights in every single way. And you know it. You say, well, if we didn't have that, we'd have anarchy. No, actually, we would not. No, we would not. Because everybody has to serve somebody. To assume amongst the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. This is... This is section. This is the first paragraph of the Declaration of Independence, and the first thing that they 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 tell you about is natural law. It's the first sentence. Where does that natural law come from? Our Master, God. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed. Endowed is a gift. It's a gift. That's what an endowment is. It seems like the Bill of Rights, it, it seems like they, you know, <laughs> I see a reflection here. It's like a carbon copy. It's like, hey, this is an endowment. It's a gift from God. That's what Paul's saying. And then we go to our political system and, that, and they say, well, it looks like it's the same thing, right? We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Then, Amendment 1 of the Bill of Rights says this. What's the first thing that they secure? Religion. Why? Because where do your rights come from? God. And who takes away your rights? Historically. Who's doing it right now? The government. When, when, you, when Paul's great revelation was, oh man, oh man, they really convoluted this whole thing. They took all of this stuff and made it so, oh, it's so complex and there's all these thousands of pages of laws. When really Paul realized, that's oh, actually really simple. I've got to follow higher laws. And we're going to talk about what those higher laws all are. I, have to, I, I, am, I am tasked with following those laws. Those laws are way beyond anything that any human being can scratch onto a piece of paper. The punishments for not following those laws are greater than anything that any human being can dole out, especially when you work directly against those laws, which is exactly what's happening right there. I'm fired today, brother. Thank you, the Patriot Astrologer. I'm going to do a thing on astrology too, by the way. 
I'm going to do a, a thing on... I don't, sorry, I don't mean to stop, but I saw your uh, 10 bucks, and I appreciate that. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of confusion on sidereal and... Sorry, little side note here. A lot of confusion on sidereal and tropical, Okay. And people that want to throw, ah, oh, tropical doesn't mean that, it doesn't mean anything, that sort of stuff. And we're going to do a live stream, and I'm going to try to clear up as much of that as possible for people. Okay? So there's that. So then we see, like, so here we have Paul, and he's like, I've, I received this revelation from God. It was the mystery of Christ, and it was a dispensation. It was an order of governance that was given to me, and now I'm saying, I'm going to tell all you about it, right? And so this was a great revelation from God to Paul. And he, what was he telling you about? About your inherent freedoms. Actually, you're not free at all. You're, you're enslaved by God. But because you're enslaved by God, you're free from every other human being's bondage. Luke 11 says this. <laughs> uh, it's Luke 11:52. Woe unto you, lawyers, for ye have taken away the key of knowledge. Then what does it say? This is red letter, guys. This is Christ saying this. Woe unto you lawyers, for ye have taken away the key of knowledge, the key of knowledge to unlock the door to your freedom and your happiness and your life and your liberty. Ye entered not in yourselves. In other words, you didn't go in. You didn't go to find the center within yourself. You didn't realize that the spark and scintilla of God lies in the center of you, and that's the Lord, and that no man shall lord over you. And what do these lawyers do? What is it saying? Woe unto you, lawyers, for ye have taken away the key of knowledge. Ye entered not in yourselves, and them that were entering in, ye hindered. So the people that were going in and finding the Lord, they're like, God, oh, you don't do that. You know, because then you're going to discover natural law, and you're gonna under, then you're going to understand that all of this stuff here, oh, where are we? All of this stuff here is horse apples. You didn't go in. You didn't find the center of God within yourself. And so now you're lost in a bunch of people writing stuff down and not recognizing the laws that you actually have to follow. And once again, when you follow those laws, God's laws, it's way above and beyond because they're laws that ultimately are moral. They're based on morality. So there's there's Luke 11 telling you the key of knowledge. The key. Think about that. The key of knowledge. What is what what bars you from that? What do, what do lawyers do? They 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 go and they become part of the bar association. Now, I'm not going to get too much into this because there's lots of people you can go online and and they can, you know, suss this out for everybody. G suss this out for everybody. But a bar is, the bar association is basically when you become a lawyer, you go and you get your lawyer degree, which is just a bunch of nonsense, and then you go and you get the bar exam, and you pass the bar exam. What is the bar exam? What is it? Well, the bar exam is to basically, this is hugely symbolic. There's an exoteric explanation for what the bar is, and then there's, of course, the esoteric explanation. I think you guys can already understand what the esoteric explanation is. They're barring you from the key of knowledge. <laughs> the term a bar, in law, the bar is... The legal profession as an institution which originates from the phrase passing the bar. The term is a metonym for the line or bar that separates the parts of a courtroom reserved for spectators 
and those reserved for participants in a trial, such as lawyers. Now this is, once again, this is all the, the, the fiction. They created this little, literally a jurisdiction in the court. They put a, they put a, like a, a fence up and then you have to cross the little fence and next thing you know, you're in this fiction that, that you've agreed to, that most people have no idea about, in which they've just created this thing and like now you're in our control. Now we, instead of, we'll explain it like this. Sorry, where are we? Instead of, so you're the Lord within there, right? You're that center point of consciousness, right? That God has gifted you the life. And on the outside is God and he's everything and everywhere and his law is complete and total and nothing can ever stop it. And now what they've done is said, oh, that big circle there, that's us now. We're your God. We wrote some stuff down. So, exoterically, there's a bar that separates the core. But really, what it is, what is it? It's a concentric circle of fiction to try to entrap you in a bunch of stuff that they wrote down. Now, it's interesting that the bar, a uh, bar association is a professional association of uh, lawyers, of course. The word bar is derived from the old English-European custom of a physical railing. So there's actually a physical bar. But what is the metaphysical bar? It's keeping you from understanding what your true, what God's jurisdiction is. You're saying, no, you're, you're in our jurisdiction now. Like, no, God runs everything and rules everything. And he determines when you live and die and when the sun is going to rise and when it's going to set and all that sort of stuff. And you've negated all of that, acted like it doesn't exist. Then you hired a bunch of lawyers to convince us that it doesn't exist. And then when the people that, like Mountain Man there, the living man, when he tried to go in, what happened? They hindered him from going within and recognizing that what? That he does live by natural law. It's almost like the bar is keeping you from the one. It's almost like the bar is keeping you from the one, oneness, the one body, the one spirit. It's almost like the bar is doing that. For those of you listening at home with the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ, do the gematria of bar and one. So what is, so let's talk about natural law. Well, what is this natural law? You mean you have to go to the Bible, read it? No, no, not at all, not at all. The Bible, in this sense, you could throw, you know, I don't mean this literally or anything like that, but you could throw all the Bibles out in the world and all the holy texts everywhere. You could put them all in a big pile and burn them. And you know what would still exist? God's natural law. What is it? People ask like, what is it? Where does it come? I don't know what it is. Now, mind you, there's only one law. It's real easy. Children can come to understand it. This law was actually broken, and this is what I was talking about before um, I got cut off. This law was broken in spades during the whole KUF-19 thing. Because what you were told is that you had to do a bunch of stuff against your will that you didn't want to do, and other people were forcing you to do that, whether that's get a jibbity jab or put a mask on or anything like that, right? Now, I mean, say, well, you know, and it's really this, and it's the golden rule. Most people know the golden rule. It's expressed in a bunch of different ways. I'll show you in the Bible in just here a second. But the golden rule is do unto others as you'd have done to you. It's a, it's a balance, right? Say, hey, I'm not going to hurt you. You don't hurt me. Even Stephen. Zero, zero, right? Match game kind of thing, whatever you want to say. 
And then you come over and you try to hurt me and do something against my will that I don't want done to me. Whatever it is, that becomes a negative. And then you do it again, it's a negative. And then you do it again, it's a negative. And what do we have now? Now we don't have a balance. No. Oh, things are all messed up. Things are out of balance. Nature is balanced perfectly. If you don't understand that, just go out in nature and look at it. So the golden rule is do unto others as you have done to you. It's in Hinduism, Buddhism, Confucianism, Taoism, Sikhism, Christianity, Unitarianism, Native Spirituality, Zoroastrianism, Jainism, Judaism, Islam, Baha'i Faith, etc., etc., etc. That's a lot of isms and anities, right? Well, uh, it's, why is it found in all of these? Because it's just natural law. And you go out into the world and you can discover it. It's the one rule that God has given us. And it doesn't matter what faith you are, what you believe. It's just there. And we'll, we'll explain this mathematically. Okay? Uh, Matthew 7, 2. Once again, reiterations that say this all the time in the Bible about how it's the golden rule. God's made one law. And it works for everything. And it's the golden rule. Treat others as you want to be treated. And I said like this. Well, if the state, if the, you know, if people come along, we need the state because people are going to overfish the rivers. Well, who's, okay, so if somebody overfishes the rivers, well, isn't it, number one, the duty of all the people that use that river to make sure that that doesn't happen? Number one. Number two, when you look at it, it's like, oh, well, what, what would happen if, you know, the, 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 the state wouldn't come in and, you know, uh, actually, you know, dictate all this other stuff and manage it and stuff like that. It would just be all, you know, it was all crazy and stuff like that. People would just overfish the rivers and stuff like that. Well, it's ultimately up to those people to follow the golden rule. If you've overfished the rivers, are you going to have enough for your child? I went and overfished the river, the rivers and now those rivers are empty. It's like, well, where's my child? The person that just overfished the rivers, how's your child going to eat? Do unto others as ye have done to you. Matthew 7, 2. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye met, it shall be measured to you again. Another expression of the golden rule. Mark 4, 24. And he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear. With what measure ye meet, met, uh, it shall be measured to you. Luke 6, 38 says the same thing. For with the same measure that ye met, with all it shall be measured to you again. Then, um, I forget what this is. Is this Matthew? I think this is Matthew. Excuse me. I don't know what the verse. I think it's Matthew 7. It says this. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would uh, that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. Let's read it again. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would do that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, colon. For this is the law. And the prophets. One law. Matthew, that's right, Andrew Mason. Mason that. The law. Not like a 10,000 page book in which all the ordinance and statutes and laws and things you have to do. It's saying, hey, you either follow this or you don't. You're either responsible and you do unto others as you'd have done to you or you don't. And that's it. Government's not going to fix whether you follow the golden rule or not. So that's, that's in the Bible, the golden rule. Judge not, this is Matthew 7, 1. Judge not that ye be not judged. Matthew 7, 2, with what measure ye met. And then this is, this is in the same throes here of, of, of Jesus speaking. Then he's, this is where he says, Give not that which is, un, is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. So in this, 
So anyway, so in the same same little paragraph here, whatever the the chapter of of Matthew here, uh, he's like saying, "Hey, follow the golden rule." And there's swines and dogs out there. So now, what is the rule? This the this golden rule. The golden rule, this constant balance. Do unto others as you have done to you. Okay. It's a constant balance, and we're going to see where this is in nature and how God put it right on you. So what is a rule? Okay, definition of rule. It's a principle or maxim governing conduct, formula to which conduct must be conformed, hence why it's called the golden rule. Golden, the reference of golden, number one, is the light of the sun. So it's always this symbol, symbolism of light, purity, circular of the sun, right? Light of creation. Golden, gold is also uh, considered like an uncorruptible metal. Right, And so there's this idea, when it's the golden rule, it's an uncorruptible what? It's an uncorruptible principle or maxim governing conduct formula to which conduct must be conformed. Formula. Formula. Let me say it again. Formula. It's a rule or custom, a pattern, a model, a pattern. A rule. What is a ruler? When you pick out a ruler. Now, I'm not talking about like, you know... <clears throat> Justin Castro up there or Biden or anything like that. I'm not talking about those crazy rulers. I'm talking about like a ruling stick, like what you do. You measure something. You take a ruler and you measure something. <laughs> what does the Bible tell you? <laughs> measure, measure, measure. <laughs> this is the law. On this, this is the law on the prophets, okay? So this is this golden, uncorruptible rule. Well, where does the rule come from? Well, the golden rule is based on what's known as the golden mean, the golden ratio, okay? The golden ratio is found in the number five. The number, And this comes from uh, Lord Jesus Christ. Got a whole chapter on the, uh, the principles, qualities, attributes of zero, one, two, three, four, five, seven, eight, nine. This is five, obviously. Uh, the uh, number five, oh, Luce Henson. You know what? Oh, Beth, let me say something real quick. Measure a man's heart. You know what the, uh, you know what, um, the entire uh, canon of Egypt, Egypt like mythology, is all, you can all basically distill it down to one thing. And that's when the initiate crosses the gates of death and goes, has his heart weighed upon a scale, a balance, a scale, a balance, has his heart weighed on that scale. And its heart and, and a feather is put on there. And it's saying, hey, was your heart as light as a feather? Ultimately, what is, what is, these, what is this whole thing when you, once again, distill it down? It's saying, hey... In order to get into the halls of heaven, you have to have a balanced heart. You you know you have to follow the eternal balance that God has given us. That's found in a number. The number five is so significant that God has placed this number on your body five times. One time, two time, three time, four time, and then what? You have five extensions from your torso. One, two, three, four, and five. Okay? Five appendages on your left hand, five on your right, five on your left foot, and five on your right with five extensions from your torso, being the head, two arms, and two legs. We have five physical senses, being taste, smell, touch, hearing, and sight. The number five is phonetically linked to the Greek letter phi, with the lesser ratio being called phi. We'll get into that in just a second. Uh, phi is a mathematical ratio embedded within the archetypal geometry of the perfect pentagram. Okay, so we're going to talk about the golden ratio and how we find it in the perfect pentagram. Okay, the ratio has long been referred, uh, revered, has long been revered as the golden proportion, also known as the golden mean. All the best, good brother. Media bear. 
just killing it over there. Just killing it. Thank you, good sir. Uh, this ratio has long been revered as the golden proportion, also known as the golden mean golden ratio. A lot of people know what this is. Okay, And it's a ratio that is expressed all throughout the natural world. This fundamental ratio may be found on both animate and inanimate objects, showing its ubiquity and universality. And we'll get into the golden ratio. What is the golden ratio? Basically, I'm just going to abbreviate this. You can do some study on your own. But basically, it's this ratio in which you find that, uh, you know, lots of things in nature grow to. The human being, being an image of God, grows into this ratio. You are an image of God. You've been created in his image, right? You're a, you're a microcosm of the macrocosm. You're a microcosm. Let's go here again. Come on, come on. You're a microcosm of the macrocosm. You're made in this image. And you're based off this ratio. The golden proportion is a ratio of 1 to 1.618 or 1 to 0.618. Okay, 1 to 1.618. And we're not going to get into too much math here, but this proportion is expressed all throughout the human body. And we'll see that in just a second. The entire human framework is proportioned off this number. Now, you're not going to find this um uh exact right well that's because why don't you find it exact well because we're in the fluidity of of time everything flows everything is constantly in this past present future past present future it's constantly flowing okay the entire human framework is proportioned off this number with the cochlea of your ear and the fingers of your hands all forming from this fundamental pattern of growth and we're going to see how this is related to the golden rule in just a second here so there it is. So you draw a perfect pentagram and you're going to find this ratio, right? So it's 1 to 0.618, or you can say 1.618 to 1. Doesn't matter how big or big, big the star becomes, how small, that proportion will remain the same when you draw a perfect pentagram. Now, mind you, this proportion that you're, we're going to see that you grow into, this number 5 was put here, here, a couple times down there. Why? Because God wanted to put his laws right on you. And by laws, I mean, I'm sorry about that plurality there. Law. <clears throat> That's the golden proportion, golden mean. And your body, once again, is, you know, based around this. And there's all sorts of proportions. You can literally take a, what's called, it's called a caliper. And you can, and it will automatically create this proportion. And a caliper will create the proportion of the golden mean. It's all based on a pentagram. And so you can take this, it basically looks like sort of like a, a compass in a way, right? And you take these two points and you can go and measure stuff. And ancient geometers used to do this to build cathedrals and things like that. This was a common tool that they would use as a caliper. Um, there's different calipers too. There's calipers for other things. But a caliper was one of the things was a golden mean. So there, it's all over your body. That's there's the, the pentagram. <laughs> Once again, you go into esoterica, you're going to find this stuff a lot. You know, you go into the modern churches, they won't. They'll, you know, you start, you start throwing, you know, uh, geometry around, especially a pentagram. They're going to be like, blah, 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 what's going on? Blah, you know, like. So it's pretty, uh, it's pretty nuts. So you're made in this proportion. It's math, and it's universal, and it's ubiquitous. No one's going to come along and be like, well, I'm just going to decide the proportion of the golden ratio is 1 to 3 now. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. It's a natural law. This is why you find this proportion in lots of things. And it's a verifiable thing. You don't, you know, like you're going to find around, once again, around this proportionality. When you talk about proportion, ultimately, what is it? This thing is, um, it's, a, it's a balance, okay? There's the cochlea of your ear. Once again, this forms this golden ratio, golden spiral, 
okay? It's called the golden mean. This is what it's called. It's called golden ratio, golden proportion. It's called the golden mean. We already talked about golden. Light of the sun, uncorruptible. Mean, the definition of mean, let's go here. The definition of mean is, there's a bunch of different definitions, but in this case, what are they saying? It's the value obtained by dividing the sum of several quantities by their number, an average. It's an average. That's what it is. It's, let's read the second definition of mean. A condition, quality, or course of action equally removed from two opposites. Equally removed from two opposites. In other words, it's a, it's a balance. That's exactly what it means. It's calculated as a mean or an average. So we're taking the left and the right. We're taking the black and the white. We're taking the, the odd and the even, if you will, metaphorically speaking. We're going to find the average between these two. We're going to find the mean. That's what it means. The value obtained by dividing the sum of several quantities by the number and average. The mean between two extremes removed from two opposites. That's balance. That's what it is. In other words, when you will, uh, Beth, when we go to the, the, the weighing of the heart ceremony in Egypt, right? What, what's happening right there? They're trying to find the mean. They're trying to find the balance. They're trying to say, oh, your heart was as light as a feather. Oh, that's balanced. Oh, the, all the scales have, have not tipped one way or the other. Everything's in perfect harmony, perfect balance. Come on in, enter into the joy of the Lord. That's what he's saying. Mean also is where we get, is a, is a derivation of the origin etymology is uh, mean. Uh, I'm not going to be able to pronounce meinen. Sorry, Jennifer. My terrible German. Old English of West Germanic origin related to Dutch and German origin from Indo-European roots shared by the word mind. Mind. So not only does the golden mean mean an average between two extremes. We're trying to find that balance. That's literally what it means. It also derivates from mind. What did Paul do? What is Paul doing? Knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Knowledge. He had the mind. He had a golden mind. He had a golden mind because he understood what? Well, number one, I'm a prisoner of, of Christ. He runs everything. It's his show. Knowledge of the mystery of what? The dispensation of the law of God. The number five, this is why Kabbalah is so important. Kabbalah is, when you get down to it, done enough videos on it, but we'll, we'll do more. When you get down to it, it's the it's understanding number symbolism. That's what it is. It's understanding that those things right there, that's an alphabet. It's a numeric alphabet given to us by God. It's zero, which is nothing, no thing. Doesn't, it doesn't exist. It exists, but it doesn't exist. Ooh, that's very confusing. <laughs> right? We've talked a lot about that. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Every number in existence can be created with those nine digits and zero being the placeholder or arbiter of scales, we can call the zero. Every number, 987,654,321. Nine what did I just make that number with? 987654321. Okay, that's a numeric alphabet. What's the middle of, and once again, we talk about nothing. Why are we not including zero here? Well, because it's nothing. You know, when you put nothing on a scale, just like when you tear a scale, when you go to the vet or something like that, or you go to the doctor or something, don't go to the doctor. 
when you when you go and what do you do? The first thing is you tear a scale and say there's nothing on the scale. It's perfectly balanced. Okay, well, cool, nothing. Now, from there, we go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. What's the middle one? What's the mean between the two extremes? What's the average? Five. It's here. Do you need a book? Do you need a holy bibble? Did Paul have the Holy Bible? Did Christ have the Holy Bible? <laughs> Did any of the apostles have the Holy Bible? Or did they have direct Gnostic revelations, exactly what Paul is saying about the nature of God's law? Why do you think it's called the Pentateuch? The Torah is what? It's the first five books of Moses, and it's called the what? The law. I wonder why. I wonder why five books. I wonder why one of those books is called Numbers. This is blasphemy in most churches. <laughs> that number right there tells you about just go out into nature. You are made from nature. The natural law, which comes from what? Upstairs. So that's your balance. And these are the sort of absolute Gnostic revelations you can have when you go into nature and they see the natural world for what it is. A lot, of, a lot of modern Christians, like this, it, seems, it seems like they want to ex like reject the natural world or something. <laughs> it's like Christ has imbued himself with everything. All things, remember? Remember that? The family, all her, what is it, Matthew? Uh, Christ says, um, uh, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And the whole family of heaven and earth is named. All in all, you go out into nature and you can see the natural law expressing to yourself. That's God speaking to you. That's God speaking to you. Look at my order. Look at my perfection. Look how perfectly balanced this pine cone is. Look at this perfect perfection of five is right in my hand. That's a Gnostic revelation right there. Saying, oh, there is an order here. I don't need to go to a I don't need to go to the Quran or the Holy Bible or the high priests of science to understand that. It's found in a pentagram. The first thing I say in my new book, Lord Jesus Christ, is this. The first time I saw Jesus was on a trillium flower. True story. Why? Because Jesus is in that trillium flower. Let's reread Ephesians 311 to 16 here, okay? According to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have a purpose here. Our purpose is ultimately to find that balance. And then, he, then this is empowerment. Think about the empowerment of this. It's basically saying you have that Lord within you, and that Lord has to follow the system of governance which you are a prisoner of, okay? And this gives you so much strength. Because why? It puts God right smack in the middle of where, where he is with everything. In you. You let somebody else try to command that Lord and say, well, you're in this jurisdiction. You have to follow these laws. Okay, cool. Yeah, but what about God's natural law, which is everywhere, which I can find on a pine cone? What about that one? Oh, well, we don't deal with that in the court system here. We gotta, you got to cross through these gates here, and that's the bar, and we're barring you from understanding that you're holy, that of all heaven and earth, the whole family is named? Hmm. <laughs> the empowerment, look at this, in whom we have boldness and access and confidence. <clears throat> I 
according to the riches of his glory. We're going to receive the riches of his glory? Yes. To be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, that's good enough. Okay. So what does this have to do with faith? We talk about faith. What is faith? Well, I have faith. I have faith in Jesus. I have faith in Jesus Christ. What does that mean? What does that mean? Does that mean blind acceptance? Does that mean, well, I just, this preacher told me that this is what this means, and this is the history book, and that's just what I do, and this is what I think, and, you know, I've got the Holy Ghost in me, and that's that, and I have faith. I have faith in Christ, and that's all I need to do, and now I'm going to go to heaven. Faith is not blind acceptance, as we read Hebrews 11.1, 1, okay? Now, faith is a substance, substance, substantial. You need something of substance. If you're just hanging on the whims of your ideas and your opinions and your beliefs, that's not substantial. That's just a bunch of stuff that you got rolling, roaming around in your head that you think is true, okay? That's not just so wonderful. Thank you again, Marty and Jen. Thank you, uh, small axe. Javier, let me get it back to you. High five. <laughs> exactly, brother. Thank you so much, Javier. Appreciate that. Now, let's read it again. Hebrews 11. 1. Now, faith, is, let's, let's, let's hit home what faith is and what it's based on. Obviously, natural law. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. The elders, when they heard about this faith and the evidence of the substance, they obtained a good report. Good job, right? Through faith, we understand, not believe. We know, we understand, we, we receive, Kabbalistically, we receive through faith. What's faith? Is it blind acceptance? No. Read the passage before. It's substantial, it's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. There's things that we can't see, but there's evidence of, right? That's behind that, a substructure, if you will. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed. Framed. This is, a, this is a, um, an architectural, you know what I mean? This is an architectural language. God is framing the worlds. And though we do not see that, there's evidence of things, and there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's evidence of things not seen, things that are framing the world. So that things which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. Let's read this again. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hey, the elder, elders obtained a good report on this thing. Then it says, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, by the word. So that things which are seen, the things that we see in the material realm, are not made of the things which do appear. In other words, when we look at, um, sorry, where are we here? We look at this pine cone. That pine cone is actually not made of the material substance of the things that we can touch and see. It's actually made of the Spirit of God. That's what it's actually made of. So, when we say, the evidence of things not seen. What does that mean? You have evidence of things that are invisible. Okay, okie dokie, crazy fool. What are you talking about? You freaking nutso. 
you oh I you know this is this is the charge that most people say well where is this God where is he you, are you gonna go down to the turnpike and make a left on on street 33 there and go down to the shell station make another left and God's gonna be there no there is no physical God so materialists be like see it doesn't exist <laughs> right well faith is telling us that there's a substance of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen do you know what you don't see there in that flower, for those of you listening at home, I'm showing a flower, and then I'm also showing next to the flower, a pentagram. Do you know what you don't see there? Math. Does that, is that flower, or is this pine cone coming out and being like, hey man, I'm grown by phi. Just go measure a pentagram. Just do, you know, take your little ruler and find my golden rule and understand it, the golden mean, in your head, in your mind. What is making that? What is framing that pine cone? What is framing this trillium? What's, who or what is framing it? God. And what's he working with? Sorry. Geometry and number are the evidence of things not seen. That flower is not saying five, five, golden mean. This is how I'm. Flowers and plants will balance themselves off the golden mean. It's framed by it, it's evidence of things not seen. Math is the, is the universal language that allows you to understand. The actual, you know, in this sense, proof of God's law. The principles of math are eternal, immortal, undying, incorruptible, never swerving, and never tiring. The principles of math, you guys know the Pythagorean prayer? I know that Christy just uh, posted it on um, Christy C. She just posted it in the Telegram group. She says, um, it's the prayer for the Pythagoreans. You guys know this? Oh, holy, holy Tetractus, that which contains the root and source of all flowing creation. Uh, it's the never swerving, never tiring, holy 10, the key holder of all, 10 and 10, the key holder of all, 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, the key holder of all. Tetractus, the Pythagoreans, we're talking about Kabbalah. Anyway, let me read on. The principles of math that secure the understanding of faith, that secure the recognition that, hey, we understand through faith that the worlds are framed by the word of God. The principles of math are eternal, uh, immortal, undying, incorruptible, never swerving, never tiring. The principles of math may not be perverted by the fallibility, evils, or ignorance of man. Man can't come along and be like, ah, oh, seven's not going to be a prime anymore. It's going to have eight divisors. Doesn't work that way. The dictums of number and geometry are immovable and unchanging, and this medium exists outside the evolving and ever-changing landscape of the material world and of historical time. The ever-changing landscape of the material world and historical time. All flows. It's all changing. It's all passing. It's all moving from one state to another. And guess what doesn't move? Guess what isn't changed? God's word. The canon of mathematics is ubiquitous and available to every human being, regardless of his culture, language, race, religion, or even epoch and time in which he lived. To give a simple example, let's go to our trillium flower. Let's look at the holy number three that we, we found on our trillium flower here. Let's look at this baby. You know, when I saw this trillium flower, it was a, uh, I was like, whoa, 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 wait a second, wait a second. 
What's going on there? That trillion flower is framed by the world's the things that I don't see. Let's talk about that trillion flower and how that's Christ. He's everywhere. To give a simple example, trillion. The number three, which is trillion, tri means three. The number three will forever have the qualities of the number three. Three will always be a prime number. The divisors of three will always be one and three, and they will always sum to four. Three will always be a Fibonacci number. Fibonacci number is actually how you discover the golden mean. We're not going to talk about that today. The third triangular number will always be six. Three squared will always equal nine. A perfect geometric expression of the number three in the triangle will always have its internal combined degrees of 180 degrees. And these are absolute facts, and they will be so infinitely. Natural law. It's a law. You don't get to change it. And this is why we said that when we talk about faith, when we talk about the law, when we talk about all of this stuff, it's based on not the things written down in the Holy Bible. The Holy Bible is there to tell you about the book of life and that his laws are everywhere around you. And he placed them here and here and here and here and here just in case there be a time in history where we freaking forgot. We might be in that time now. I don't know. The full, let me, let's go back here one quick, quick. We got another 10 minutes or so here. Okay. Thank you all for joining me. Did I miss another super chat here? Oh, thank you. Um, sorry, I got to find this here quick. Here we go. All of these, all of these notions. Let's go back to this. Let's just do this. You know, for uh, the body is one and one body. I mean, being many, even though there's a, there's a, you know, even though there's a differentiation and there's a multiplicity in that multiplicity, we're all one body. We're all fellow heirs. It's all the fellowship. It's one church, one body, one body, one body. For we being many are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of the one bread. For by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, it doesn't matter who the hell you are. It's oneness because he commands everything. Ephesians, once again, is filled. It's filled, filled with this. Fellow heirs, fellowship of the mystery. God who created all things, the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Breadth, length, depth, height, filled with the fullness of God. I don't think you could get more full than that. <laughs> filled with all the fullness of God. So this law, his governance rules everything. And ultimately, all of these, Paul, especially Christ, everything is trying to pinpoint that within you. Is literally trying to give you mathematical coordinates to pinpoint where this expression of God resides and how it's to give you what? Power, strength. Isn't that what religion should do? Not strength over another man. Well, no, because if I try to use my power over somebody else that didn't want me to, you know, you know, subdue them or overpower them, then I guess I would be breaking God's one law, wouldn't I? You don't use that power within to, <laughs> you know, to try to rule over other people. What did Paul do? He said, oh, I had the revelation. I had the knowledge. It was given to me about the, the, the wholeness and totality of God. And what am I going to do? I'm going to give it to you, Word. So when we talk about this fullness of God, talk about the oneness of God, this is what Kabbalah teaches you. Kaaba means cube, by the way. 
Kaaba means cube. So when we talk about Kaab Allah, Kaab Allah, Kaab Allah, Kaab Allah. This is cube Allah. Allah is just a name for God. Well, it's the God of the Muslims. There's only one God. Stop it. Stop it. We, didn't, we just covered that. Okay? We don't, we don't need... You're trying to make divisions where there are not divisions. The Bible's telling you don't do that. So we talk about this fullness. And we talk about this idea that's like, oh, God's everywhere. But they're trying to pinpoint it and point it right in the center of you. And this is what Lord God is, everything. Now it says here, uh, Paul, it says... Um, and to know, oh, it's, let's go back, that, let's go back here. Uh, Ephesians 3.17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Christ is in your heart. Once again, remember that we talked about the weighing of the heart ceremony? That's the Egyptian stuff though. It's just God's. That Christ may dwell in your hearts, lives there. That's what dwell means. That ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints that you are going to be able to comprehend with Christ in your heart the power that worketh within you that's available in all ages that you're going to be able to comprehend with all of the saints that had comprehended it before him. Paul saying this. What is breadth and length and depth and height? What is that? Well, this is where God lives. This is Revelation 21, 16. And the city lieth four square. It's a square. And that square is, the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured again. Oh my God, what are they doing? They're measuring. They're taking rulers. What do you do when you measure something? Do you use math? You do, don't you? You do. And the city lieth four square and the length as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs, the length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. It's a cube, specifically. Then it even goes on to tell you, it gives you another clues in the next, you know, the cubit is based, once again, the cubit is based on, I've got, I, don't, I don't know if you guys know this, I probably should have had the graphic for this, but the cubit, the ancient measurement of the cubit, it was based on the arm, it was based on the elbow to the tippy top of your fingers. Do you know what that is? That's an expression of phi. It's an expression of phi, the golden mean, the golden ratio. That's what it is. From your elbow to basically this pinpoint of your there's like a, there's like a little bone in here that actually basically gives you that balance point that's one elbow to your wrist is one wrist to the top of your hand fingers there is 0.618 it's called the cubit it's called the cube it it's called the cube it let's say that one more time it's called the cubit okay revelation 21 16 and the city lies four square and the length is large as the breadth and he measured the city with the reed 12,000 furlongs length and the breadth and the height of it are equal and he measured the wall thereof in 144 cubits according to the measure of a man that is of the angel <laughs> the city of god is a cube where god lives is a cube and paul is telling you is like hey you're going to be able to know what all of these saints before knew and I'm going to give you this dispensation of this knowledge of the mystery of Christ. I'm going to give it to you so you know it now. And so you'll be able to comprehend with all the saints before you uh, what is breadth and length and depth and height. You're going to be able to comprehend where that power rests within you. Why? Why is this why is the city of God a cube? Because the cube represents what? Up, down, left, right, 
forward and reverse. And then there's a point in the center of all of that in which all of those come together. And that, that point is the, the Lord within you. The scintilla or spark of God within you. So the Kabbalists, Paul's Gnostic revelation, his Kabbalistic revelation, his revelation on the cube is what it was happening. That's what's happening. His revelation on the cube. So you'll know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. And then the line right before that says, what is all this fullness of God? And filled with it, length and breadth and height and depth. So that we can understand the power that worketh uh, within us. And we can understand the spirit by the inner man. To be strengthened with might and have boldness and confidence. And where is that going to lead you to? Where's where's Kabbalah supposed to lead you to? The center of you, up, down, left, right, forward, and reverse, six sides of a cube, making one complete object. And so what is so what is this? What's Paul saying? Paul's like, oh, just it's the mystery of Christ. That is the symbol, for those of you listening at home, that's the symbol of the chi ro. It's X and P in the Greek letters, and it's a symbol for Christ, Jesus Christ. And what is it? You tell me what that is. It's that. And one last thing. Throughout all ages, world without end, all ages, What about the age before the historical Christ came and, and, and was here? Did it exist then? But as we know, it was one last thing here. It was, I'll just say this, it was hidden God. Right? Let's see, let me go here. I don't know which one it is here. I'll have to find it. Um sorry. And to make all Ephesians 3 9. And to make all men see. See, see, what is the fellowship of the mystery, we're all fellowships, all fellow heirs, which from the beginning of the world, this existed before the beginning of the world and hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. What do you think? Was that some meat for you? Is it meaty, meaty and delicious? I hope so, 109 watching, thank you so much. Okay, that's going to do it for uh, this week. Thank you all for joining me. Stop on over to uh, Gnostic Revelation Mysteries. Gnostic Revelation Mysteries. Amor's got a new teaching for you, and it's all about oneness. I just watched it this morning. It's very good. It's short, too. It's like 10 minutes, I think, something like that. So, once again, just a nice little, you know, you had the appetizer at Marty Leeds. Now you want to go to the main course, okay? Something like that. Anyway, um, I really appreciate you guys uh, stopping by. Thank you all for the super chats. Next week, like I said, I think we're going to, uh, you know, I, I don't want to, because I always change my mind when it, when, I, when it comes to this stuff, but I think we're going to do Genesis 1-1. Like I said, I think I want to do Genesis 1-1 into 1-2, 1-2, 1-2, 1-2, 1-2, 1-2, 1-2, 1-2, 1-2, 1-2, 1-2, 1-2, 1-2, 1
do one live stream that's basically just talking about like the philosophy behind it, some of the you know, the main themes, what heaven and earth means, the the principles of mirroring that are in there, um, you know, basically all the esoterica stuff. But then I think I want to do a whole live stream just on the math because the, you know, and I don't want to, that might be too much for some people. I know I get it because, you know, it can be a lot to digest, but it's kind of necessary to do it because there's so much in there. It's just, it's just insane. So anyway, um... Yeah, anyway, so that's going to do it for me. Guys, if you get a chance, stop on over to, um, oops, sorry, uh, stop on over to GnosticAcademy.org, GnosticAcademy.org. You can become a member of the fellowship. I mean, you can, you're a member of the fellowship anyway. You don't have to give me any money. That's not what this is about, right? So, um, but if you do want to support, that this is the way to support it. It's the best way to support it. And that way you don't have to give, you know, 30% or whatever to YouTube, whatever it is. Uh, monthly tithing, um, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> monthly tithing, quarterly tithing, annual tithing, um, and then there's all sorts of stuff over there, books, podcasts, uh, interviews, lectures, documentaries, music. I don't know what else is over there. Um, thank you all for joining me today. Uh, Mary at Sea Level 2, the Hippocrates Matrix, Andrew Mason at J.M. Grassi. Uh, Taylor, May, Taylor Lord made Taylor. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Bear Lando. Thank you so much. Blessings, brother. Thank you. Javier, Jacob Law, uh, Painter Bear. Thank you. Cat Lynx. Thank you so much. I really appreciate everybody that stops by. All right. That's going to do it for me. Guys, uh, may you always keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. May his grace be with you all. Amen. All right. I will see you next time, next Sunday. 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, we'll be there. All right, that's going to do it for me. Guys, as always, many blessings and much love to all.